Welcome to the Fab Four One, fabulous Four One Three. We can I'm, call it the Fab Four One Three. I know. It's so much it. nicer. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we write it all the time. Right. <laughs> Welcome to the Fabulous Four One Three. I'm Khalees Smith, and I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, continuing our unintentional focus on trees this week, we'll hear about some of the things we can glean from the forest besides wood. When we talk with Gregory Ormsby Mori from Forestopia in Greenfield. And it's that lovely confluence of Bandcamp Friday and Live Music Friday, so we'll hear from Kendra Morris and her band. For that, she'll be hitting the stage at 10 Forward in Greenfield later tonight in honor of her new album. But first. It's Friday, and that's when we wind Thunderdome, and we're back with our friends at Provisions Long Meadow, Benson Hyde and Bruce McCamus, and we are drinking what today, Benson? Syrah. Syrah is a great grape. We learned about it a little bit in previous episodes. Syrah, Shiraz, depending on where you get it from, it's all the same thing, but it's so different. So different. It really can... um Represent its terroir very well. Don't put my wine key in your pocket. We heard the squeak. Oh, I do want it. It's a good I wine key. I did think about it. I did think about it. Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel good? A quick switcheroo, yeah. A wine key is a, a wine snob yeah. word for corkscrew. You didn't know that. But there are yeah, good and, ones and, and there are bad ones. And, and when you get a good one. tight. The hinges you know? are tight. It's yeah. sleek. It's not too bulky. It's double hinged. That's the way to go, kids. Yep. Kids, don't drink. I figured um, oh, the today. the color on that's pretty. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I love the color of Syrah in general. It's that sort of deep purpley. It's like smoke on the water. Smoke on the water. Oh, Hopefully there'll be on... some smoke on the water when we sniff it too. So yeah, I picked a couple of important regions for Syrah. One being the Rhone Valley, the, the sort of northern Rhone, which is where Syrahs really comes from and dominates and is a key grape in that region. And then California, Ballard Canyon, which is one of the newest AVAs in California. American Viticultural Area? Area? Area. 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 That's boring. They need to I know. We can't use Appalachian. That's not like who we are. Right. But Ballard Canyon is important for Syrah because when they became an AVA, Syrah was one of their main grapes, and it does really well in that area. A, because the soil, they have these like really nice limestone soils. And Ballard Canyon, um, if you think about California, where the little elbow sticks out, there's that little elbow of California, uh-huh. that's Ballard Canyon. So it's Central Coast. So being very- Wait a minute, has the United States been playing on a little teapot this whole time <laughs> with the elbow sticking out in California and then Massachusetts with its hand making the spout? Wow, I never thought I about that. I feel like that's we are walking into a real bad joke about Florida right now. <laughs> oh, that's just water. too easy. Ooh. Let's just step <laughs> yeah. back. We're gonna tip them over and pour yeah. them out. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> me over and pour me out. Which one are we so, drinking first? So we're starting in France. Emmanuel Darnaud is a producer that I guess now they've been around. When when I first opened Provisions, they were a relatively new on the scene producer, but now they've been around for about 20 years. This is one of Franck's wines. Ah, oh, Franck, Franck. The, the sexiest yeah. man in the world of wine sales with ideal wine. Yeah. Hello, Franck. <laughs> He's a good looking guy. I know. Uh, and he's just so nice. He's the nicest guy. He's like guy the smartest yeah. guy in the whole. He like speaks like ten languages, yeah. and then he's like, it's like skiing and hunting. Anyway, that's enough about Frank. This does Franck. smell a little bit like smoke on the water, and it's a little yeasty too, which is really, really nice. Yeah, it's got a little fire in the sky. Syrah can be super reductive, and that's one of the things that I don't like as much because reduction in wine presents as like farty or eggy mm. or generally unpleasant. And Syrah, mostly because of the fermentation process around how you ferment Syrah, it's 
tends to be less oxygenation in the, in the fermentation. That lack of oxygen causes this reduction. And when you open the bottle and oxygen is involved, it kind of like volatilizes some of these negative sulfur driven aromatics. But this is really kind of pleasant. It's very fruity, fruity it's and peppery. Fruit. Right, very and I think peppery. it'll continue to open up. We just opened the yeah. bottle. The more that this decants and opens up and gets exposure to oxygen, that fruit's gonna come out a little more. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like most about Syrah is that it's one of those grapes that really does open up and evolve. And I think day two sometimes, if you ever get a bottle to day two, good luck. Which try. Is really <laughs> fantastic. Well, what I say is you just have to open two to three bottles and then you're bound to get one of them to the next day. Hopefully. I have a Solera in my fridge that's a tiny, you know, half bottle and it's the longest lasting bottle of wine I've had in a long time just because it's sweet and delicious, but like only so much sweet I want in my life. So it's been nice actually to be temperate with it. I'm coming for you tonight though, Solera. (laughs) Take it to Frank's house. What do you think about this one, this uh, Syrah from France, Bruce? It's lovely. I mean, it's going to open up a lot, I think. It's still kind of, still kind of wound up tight, but I love Syrah. Great cold weather grape. And it's a good food pairing wine if you've got, if you're maybe, you know, having the roast beast or something like the Grinch would have. The Grinch carved the roast beast. This like Syrah is going to be perfect for that. Hardy winter dishes. (laughs) Stews and things like that. Perfect. Cassoulet. Cassoulet. I just got to chill thinking about cassoulet. I haven't had cassoulet in a long time. It is so good. Low key, the thing I was trying to convince my partner we should do for Christmas, because we always do big projects for Christmas. Last year, we made the short ribs from the bear. Yes, I'm going to make three sections, okay? They're going to be wet hot and sweet. It was a weak project. It was super worth it. I'm going to do the seven fishes from the bear and drive a car through somebody's house. That sounds awesome. Am I okay? Am I okay? Spoiler alert. I like it. I can see that I'll like it more in a little while. I can see the fruit coming out. We'll go back to this one and I'm sure it's going to be super delightful. And I like the kind of, there's an inkiness to it. You know, maybe a a really dark, dark cherry. In comparison, this smells like heady. Uh Are you onto the stolt? Yeah, I'm just smelling this whole time. Oh, I, haven't right. gone, I haven't gone ahead I yet. people have moved. Here I Next go. One. The second one, the Californian one, the, what's the yeah. name of the valley again? Ballard Canyon. Ballard Canyon, all right. Central Coast. Uh-huh. More fruit driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much, not like in a wicked over the top California way. No, no, no. It's kind of actually, it's a little quieter on the nose than I was expecting. It's really almost like mincemeat-y. And the tannins are already a little bit more um, integrated in this one, even despite the fact that we also just opened this bottle too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With my wine key, which is awesome. It is awesome. Are you just bragging now? Oh, totally. I'll brag it's a State Street wine key, but I'm going to buy a Provisions wine key on the way out, and I'm going to compare and contrast, because yeah. I guess you guys are the same ones, right? Same exact. Mm. Tans are a little bit more pronounced to me on this, actually. And I think, really? Yeah, they're just a little bit, like, grittier, or coating, maybe. Mine, I'm not getting that at all. To me, they, they spread out all over my tongue. The other one felt a little bit grittier on yeah. my tongue. But I feel like that might have been, like, a little more minerality, a little bit more earthiness in the first one that this one doesn't necessarily have. This one's definitely got tannins, but it doesn't really have, like, the earth the way yeah. that the French one does. Mm-hmm. Just sort of what you'd expect. Old world versus new California. We have no roots! Well, if it wasn't for our roots, there would be no French wine at this point with the phylloxera blight. Quite literally. So, it's probably also our fault that the phylloxera blight hey. happened there in the first place, but whatever. Can't prove it. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly spatook. <laughs> Interesting. They're the same but different. Everything is different but same. In so many ways, like the density of the fruit and mm. some of the berry flavors are very similar, but then the body, California definitely has a little bit more heft. Santa, <laughs> 
And the tannins are creeping up on me now, too. I'm starting to feel yeah. them on my teeth. I kind of need some food. Needs that beef you were talking about. Yeah. Debuff. Which also was just released. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, was it? Nouveau Day. That's the uh, Beaujolais Nouveau we talked about a couple weeks ago. It's a fun experiment. You only need to do it the once. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the buff one, definitely. Yeah. Did you get any other Beaujolais Nouveau that was not the buff? So this is the thing about Nouveau Day this year is none, like three quarters of the Nouveau didn't actually land in the States until after Nouveau Day because all the tankers got delayed and, and only big producers like Debuff that probably flew it in yeah. to make sure that it landed on time mm. didn't have to worry about some of those issues right. that you needed the money to get it here, basically. We're doing a little bit of a delayed celebration at Provisions. Okay. Par for the course. You've got other celebrations yeah. going on. Hey, segues, I can do them sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of celebrations, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we have our Champagne Open House uh, in Longmeadow on the 9th from 1 to 4, and we have the same event, or more or less, happening in Amherst on the 16th from 1 to 4. And we will be doing a VIP high-end champagne pouring, so... Really? How does one become a VIP? Give us a call. Tickets are available. But selling fast, actually, the, in Amherst in particular. Okay. The champagne you guys t- want to come, let me know. I'll get you on the list. Oh, hey. I know a guy. You know a guy. So, what, where are we with this? What, what are you thinking of the uh, Stoltman? The Stoltman is the California one. Yeah. And I really like it. I mean, I've had a lot of what I don't think is high quality. I'll call it garbage. Syrah <laughs> from... The Central Coast in California, and California can be a hard sell for me in a lot of different ways with just the the style that they bring to the wine being so overblown, in your face, ham-fisted, but I really like this one. It, you, I would easily be fooled to think it's a French one, which is the highest yeah. compliment I can give a wine from California. I would agree. I am going to vote California this time. I'm going to break my, uh, my pattern. I just, I like that there's a little fruit forward, but it's nicely balanced, elegant, nice tannins. Well, I didn't officially vote, but I also vote California if we're voting right now. Oh, wow. What about you, Benson? What one are you going to vote for? Oh, man. I'm so torn. It's, it's close. I mean, these are both yeah. Yeah, really so nice. close. I have to choose? Yes. <laughs> it's a Thunderdome. It's like the Highlander. There can only be one. Oh, now I'm mixing movie metaphors. It's not the first time. Honestly, I'm sort of shocked at myself, too, because I would ordinarily go with the Rhone, but the Stoltman is drinking great. Yeah. It's just so pleasing. It's sort of soft. All three of us going against what we probably would have thought we would have voted all and four voted of for us. all four of us. Yeah, I don't. I can't believe I'm voting for the Californian either. But I like the weight of it. It's not so much that like I don't like how light the the French one gets, but I kind of want it to be minerally or light for yeah. something like this. The Californian one is a little more balanced, and I like that it's got heft to kind of blend them all all of the components together. Who am I? Who are any of us? I Has this know. ever happened What's before? Happened? Uni- unanimity? Yeah. <laughs> Only a, once. A couple times, but not very many. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's unanimous. And unanimous for a California. Unbelievable. Uh, that, that, first, that might be the first. Yeah. This is the first Californian to win. A Thunderdome, I think. Whoa. These are classic. I mean, this is very sort of like classic to style in both cases. I think one of the reasons that Syrah does so well in Ballard Canyon is because it has cooler nights. It has fog that rolls in, sort of shortens that ripening and growing. Diurnal shit. Yeah, you get a little bit more acidity, a little bit more freshness than you would get in some of the hotter California regions. And the balance, I think, really comes through here. The Stoltman has gone home with me a number of times in recent years, so I'm, I'm glad to, to, I get validation from today. We all agree <laughs> with you, Bruce. Bruce! <laughs> I need more validation in my life. Well, there you go. 
sticking out elbow of, of California. Yeah. People in the uh, I'm a little teapot hey. spout of Massachusetts <laughs> hey. are happy to have you. Hey, hey, <laughs> try this wine. Hey, it's going to be good, I promise. Nudge, nudge. Well, next time we'll have to do uh, the other major grape that they specialize in is Roussan, which is another Rhone. Right. So maybe uh, future tasting, we can do another head-to-head of Crow's Hermitage versus uh, Ballard Canyon. If it won twice in a row, I would be shocked. Well, let's do it. <laughs> Are we trying Can't to start a rivalry? Yeah, yeah we'll right. Send them, send them letters like, hey. It's the second judgment of Paris. You got one chance to send, redeem yourself. <clears throat> send us samples. We'll need another it's been so long that since that rear That's Khalees singing the Wine Thunderdome theme song. This is Khalees trying to drown out Khalees singing poorly on this song. Uh, later in the show, we'll head to the woods and hear about the veritable bevy of products with Gregory Mori of Forestopia. Up next, Live Music Friday with Kendra Morris playing 10 Forward in Greenfield. Tonight, you're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, offering solar options, energy security, and solutions for the local community. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. It's Live Music Friday, and joining us in the studio is Kendra Morris and her band, who's playing 10 Forward in Greenfield tonight. Kendra Morris is a soul singer-songwriter based in New York City, originally from St. Petersburg, Florida, but who has some amazing hip-hop collaborations. She was featured on the f- single Phantoms with Open Mike Eagle and Vinnie Paz on the Zarface MF Doom collaboration album, Zarface Meets Metal Face, and directed and animated the official video for the single Bomb Throne. She collaborated collaborated with Zarface again when she was featured on two tracks on their collaboration with Ghostface Killa, Zarface Meets Ghostface, and her new album from this past summer, I Am What I'm Waiting For, was produced by Run the Jewels producer, Little Shalimar. I did my Spotify wrapped. My number one was Wu-Tang Clan. My number, I think, four. three or four was Run the Jewels. So <laughs> very excited about this today. Kendra Morris plays at 10 Forward in Greenfield tonight, celebrating her CD release because, oh yeah, it's Bandcamp Friday too, y'all. Well, let's hear something from Kendra Morris, and then we'll get to know the band a little bit too. All right. I wanna clean, but you're sleeping Still in your sheets, I tie, do you please? It's like a chain for me, I can't get nothing done She can't get nothing done Tuesday, you wanna cook a meal And all your dishes are piled up like a hill to hell and if I climb that hill, I'm gonna do something bad. She's gonna do something bad. So if you wanna tackle it all, but your dominoes are ready to fall. Trailing mud on you 
Music Friday playing Ten Forward in Greenfield tonight. Uh, introduce us to the band. Okay. Well, to my left, with his diary in front of him, taking notes. <laughs> taking notes. Literally with musical notation. My, uh, he actually he's multi. He does numerous things. He's my bassist and my keyboardist. This is Mr. Monty. Not me. Not you. <laughs> Two Monty. Other Monty. Monty Miramonty. You're my mirror, Monty. It's your mirror, Monty. You, mirror, Monty. Well, you are much better looking than me in my mirror, so I appreciate that. <laughs> this is Monty. We call him the Mad Scientist. He's playing a tiny little keyboard yeah. where it has all these like drum effects and it stuff. It is it's cute like, and orange. It is cute and orange. Mm-hmm. It's, my dad sent me that, and you can, if you to describe it for the listeners, it has. Two sticky gold stars on a couple of the notes. And then to my right, sipping his chamomile tea. Which he took from our director, Tony Dunn, who had in his private stash in the desk. Thank you, Tony. Um, this is Chauncey Yearwood, and he is my drummer, slash, uh, he sings as well yeah. in the group. Ma- amazing voice of honey. If honey could have a honey voice. Honey in the tea as be... well, yes. So yeah, literally. So that's why he's having some tea right now. Uh-huh. He had fun last night. (laughs) (laughs) And then next to Chauncey is my guitarist, uh, my wonderful friend, Supremo Massive. And I really like your shirt today. Describe the shirt, Kendra. You've I been do. so I good really at describing like, things for radio listeners. I like describing things. Okay. I'm going to put on my radio voice. Maybe try for another like job a, you hire try me. Try to do it like an, <laughs> an NPR person. Okay. So, Monty, over here on the guitar is... Supremo Massive, and today he's wearing a really, really well-picked shirt. It's um, got some teal and some flecks of um, coral and a little bit of a tea stain off-white, and it's in stripes. And as you can see, there's some uh, snake print patterns in there and a little bit of shredding. He looks really great. I wish that the listeners could see him right now, but, you know, you can see him tonight. That uh, is the most NPR we've ever sounded, and I bet there are a lot of listeners that appreciated that, Karen. Thank you so much. They're usually just bombastic and over the top. <laughs> As you mentioned, you're doing everything. Like, you do your own, like, videos, and a lot of your own arranging. The video for the song you just did, Dominoes, starts with a frame that just says, this is based on a real story. Yeah. And I feel like most people who have had a roommate of that caliber that this song is clearly about. Uh-huh. Just just elaborate a little bit. Okay, well, that's my husband in the video. <laughs> and that song is about my husband because he drives me crazy. So, like, I wrote that song in less than a half hour. 
The song is also about your soft spot for these people in your life. I know I really annoy him, too. So it evens out. It's pretty amazing that you make your own videos for your own music, but then you're also making these videos for these, you know, hip hop superstars as well. Zarface, which has a local connection of Massachusetts. At yeah, least. I, know. I was at. They have a record store on Beverly, Massachusetts, ah, and I was knocking on the door because the hours were supposed. It was supposed to be open. I could see a Bruce Lee poster in the background. I'm like, this is going to be the greatest experience of my life. But they were closed. Yeah. Oh, I got it. I'll text him today. And okay, cool. Uh, next time I'm in Beverly, Shame. I'm going to come there. And we're speaking with Kendra Morris, who'll be in Greenfield, much closer to where we are right now at 1040 tonight. But tell, tell us about how those hip hop collaborations with these, you know, these are the icons of hip hop in many ways. MF I mean, Doom and Ghostface Killer and all. It's weird. It's a lot of it is just like putting myself out there, reaching out to people, timing being a yes person and saying yes to chances. And then with like all the Zarface stuff, Jeremy Page, who did, he produced Banshee, Mock. He produced a lot of my records. He has been old friends with Zarface. So Jeremy, he's the Zar Keys now. Jeremy kind of brought me into the Zarface world. I started by singing just like the samples. I was like a kind of a ghost voice. Mm. And then I started kind of earn my way into like features. Then you became a ghost face voice. Yeah, then I became a ghost face voice. And I mean, unfortunately, I never got to meet MF Doom or yeah. Ghostface, but I did get to meet Inspector Deck. There you He's go. He's so nice and so tall. That's great. <laughs> Another member of the Wu-Tang Clan. We're not talking about Wu-Tang Clan. We're talking about Kendrick Morris. Um, I love that your music is described as soul, but it's got this mod vibe to it that I think is way more pervasive. Want to talk about like blending that and how that's inspiring, especially to like some of these videos. Like seriously, like check out her videos. Yeah, they're, they're all really, really cool. Really, really cool. <laughs> Thank you so much. Sure. You know, my music has just always been a. I don't know if I can pronounce the word amalgamation. Amalgamation. My music has my music has always been an amalgamation. You're listening to NPR. <laughs> You're listening to NPR, Kendra Morris, and my music has always been an amalgamation of of my influences, and I my influences really like are continuously growing because I love music. So the albums are going to change too because I'm always like, I'm also very visually influenced because I th- I do believe that, well, I believe we're all humans, creative creatures. We were created. So why wouldn't we all be creative? It's just how you tap into it. I've always tapped into both a visual side and a musical side, and they work together. So sometimes through, like, films I'm really inspired by, that will influence kind of the music I want to make through the scores. You know, Ennio Morricone. Yeah. um, Les Baxter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you hear that in my music, and a lot of times I've been lucky to work with producers that also are very visual as well. When we've created these records, we really together like visualize it and and even down to like my demos, you know, when I'm just sometimes working on things by myself, the way I hear things like my friend little Casio right there has been that's been helping me lately. You yeah. know, hear a little. You stuff. were just plugging away on that little Casio keyboard earlier and grooving, playing four-handed Casio. We had keyboard. the full show going. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's great. You check it out on Kendra's Instagram, maybe. That's why I'm filming it. Maybe that's how the show will be tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and the show tonight is at Ten Forward in Greenfield. Let's hear another one from Kendra Morris as well as Primo Chauncey and Monty. Okay, this one is called "When I Go to Space." When I go to space, will you catch me on the ground? 
So when I go to space Will the people be swinging from a chandelier Watch me ride the loop till it flies In a boat you'll only float Cars are fast but still you hope They'll take you where the stars look so nice When I go to space 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 When I go to school Will I get another pass If you're breaking all the rules Teacher's gonna kick your ass so when I go to school, I'm gonna ride it, don't show them who's the only clown to graduate without getting pied. Lockers fall like dominoes, hear it on the radios, clanking down the halls is alright. When I go to school, when I go to school, when I go to school, in her band playing at the coolest underground queer club in Greenfield 10 Indeed. forward tonight. So much fun stuff happens there. Yeah, totally. Kendra, you play multiple instruments. Which which one are you most comfortable and why? Guitar, for sure. <laughs> guitar, but I mean, even like, I played guitar for a really long time, but for a really long time, I didn't play it in the band. I played it to write. Monty actually is my guitar teacher. Not this Monty. This Monty, yeah. <laughs> the mirror Monty. Mirror, Monty of the mirror. He's been teaching me some stuff on guitar, and I, like, was, we were figuring some stuff out with the band, and I was just like, man, if we had another guitarist, jokingly, I was like, man, it would be cool if I played the guitar, but uh, that would be so funny. Like, I had no way. And then he's like, yeah, why don't you play the, the guitar? And I was like, who, me? <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. Like, get one person to say, yeah, you can do it. Man, listeners out there, I just want to let you know today, if you have the chance to encourage someone, you don't know where that's going to go in someone's life. You're listening to NPR. <laughs> call, donate, 800-639-8850. That was last, that was like Tuesday. Oh yeah, right. That's Kendra Morris's <laughs> NPR voice, which is great. And you've been talking about playing the guitar. Let's do one more uh, bonus Live Music Friday track where you're going to play the guitar? Yeah, I'm going to do it. Yay! I'm getting, I'm getting better. Primo's handing the guitar over. What? 
playing 10 forward in Greenfield tonight. We're working on a rendition of Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not the Leonard Cohen Hallelujah. No, I want to do like proper Handel. <laughs> yeah. Nice. It's going to be off the Handel. I mean, we have really, we just do it in the car. Oh, hallelujah. Did you really just say off the Handel? Yep. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. You could call it the album. It'll be all Handel covers. Yes. When we make it into a hit, you get the joke. I love it. But now it's I'm going to be serious again. Okay. This is NBR. This, this song is called Night Snake.
<laughs> Kendra Morris playing at 10 Forward in Greenfield tonight and playing for us this live Music Friday. Our latest album is I Am What I Am Waiting For. The CD release is what's being celebrated at 10 Forward. And again, it's Bandcamp Friday, the day that all of those proceeds go directly to the artist instead of Bandcamp taking its fee. So, you know, if you're interested, check that out. And maybe some of those really cool videos where she's in a trunk. Yeah, very cool <laughs> videos animated by Kendra. Thanks to Primo Chauncey and Amira Monty as well. Thank you so much. Up next... We'll learn about all the ways we can eat the forest when we talk with Gregory Morey from Forestopia in Greenfield. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Agroforestry is the intentional integration of trees, crops, and or livestock into managed systems that can deliver numerous environmental and economic benefits. Forestopia is an agroforestry business founded back in 2011 in Mexico, but it's currently based in Western Massachusetts. Forestopia's work out of Western Ma- uh, works out of the Western Mass Food Processing Center in Greenfield, the Forest Farm in Shutesbury, and together with many local partners like Big River Chestnuts in Sunderland, Northeast Organic Farmers Association of Massachusetts, Indigo Coffee in Northampton, Great Falls Harvest in Turner's Falls, but also still have work in Chiapas, Mexico. And to explore some of the many products that they offer, we're joined by Gregory Ormsby Mori of Forestopia. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You have laid out uh, a glorious spread of all sorts of things that uh, may be atypical products that people are used to, at least in this country, when it comes to putting stuff from the forest into their mouth. But first, you've given us... Some polar seltzer straight out of Worcester. <laughs> I tried to find one from four, the 413, but close enough, Worcester. Yes. <laughs> and, what, and what have you added to this polar seltzer? I'm glad you asked, Monty. We have uh, added a little bit of our spruce tip syrup to uh, the seltzer water, and we call it the spruce tip fizzy. Oh, it's uh, so good. This is spruce tip syrup that we make. We harvest the spruce tips right on our site in Shutesbury, the forest farm, and elsewhere around uh, the Western Mass and Southern Vermont. It makes a wonderful syrup. Uh, The spruce tips, they come out just for a short period, end of May, June, just a two or three week period to harvest them. We can make a simple syrup, but we make it the old fashioned way where we layer it with organic cane sugar in a vat for about 30 to 60 days and it reduces down maceration. And that's how we get this golden, beautiful product here. Uh, some brewers will also use the spruce tips in making different IPAs or different beverages. Mm-hmm. So there's some yeah. different use for the spruce tips. Yeah, um, Iron Duke in Ludlow uses spruce tips in one mm. of their standard brews. I think they call it the Juno, huh? where they're using mm. spruce tips in it. But I've always loved it as a as a product in general. And this syrup is just love. I love drinking trees. Yeah. So t- <laughs> tell us about this journey uh, to making agroforestry part of uh, what you've been doing and taking parts of the forest that maybe are underutilized and turning them into both a, a, a way to maintain good forest health and good economics. Well, yeah. So Forestopia is focused on uh, the development, market development for agroforestry products. We've uh, been at it uh, since about 2011. As you mentioned, got started in Mexico, but we have operations here in Western Mass and, and uh, connect 
with, with growers and have relationships with growers in southern Mexico and Central America. So uh, you mentioned our suite of products. Yes, we have a, I brought a little happy basket, so I have lots of products here. <laughs> some are very local and, and some that we make ourselves, like the spruce tip syrup and the yellow birch syrup, the acorn flower. Uh, others are, are local, regional, uh, f- uh, from around the region, and some are from around the world. Why agroforestry? As you mentioned, uh, it's it's the intentional integration of trees and shrubs with with either annual crops or, or farm uh, animal-based systems for a range of environmental and, and economic benefits that that can accrue from from that. Uh, uh, one part of that is the the non-timber forest products, where, where one of our focuses is uh, the uh, harvesting of what we call things from the forest, other than timber, non-timber forest products, mm-hmm. uh, like the spruce tips. We harvest acorns and process into acorn flour. We uh, grow uh, mushrooms in, on logs in, in the forest in what we call a farmi- forest farming practice. That's one of the agroforestry practices. Oh, and a range of other things from the forest. The, the, the idea being, how do we advance uh, uh, forest conservation? How do we take care of our forests, steward our forests, and have livelihoods and incomes and, and, and at the same time. And, and this uh, sustainable harvesting of non-timber forest products is one of those approaches, one of those agroforestry approaches, both whether here for small farmers, small uh, forest holders here in, in, in Western Mass and New England, uh, a way of diversifying incomes, uh, or around the world, communities, uh, forest-dependent uh, communities, uh, cooperatives, women's groups who go out in the forest and harvest products for, for those benefits. How did you move from your origins in Mexico to Franklin County? Well, I have some roots in Mexico. I spent a lot of my youth there. But uh, we, I mean, we started in Mexico, but we were always here and there. Mm. Oh, it's always, we've always been here and there. Yeah. Cool. And you've kind of divided what you brought from your basket of fun, it looks like, into like, I do. These, I, this side over here is the stuff from uh, the region from or from Western Mass and the stuff over there from Central and South America. Yeah, these things over here are more uh, either local or regional, like the uh, the black black walnuts from, from around the eastern uh, in New England area. We have some acorn oil. That was produced by one of our partners in Vermont. I thought this whole time it just said corn oil. No, I didn't yeah. see the A because it turned away from me. I was like, corn oil, what's the big deal? I do want to talk about this because, like, <laughs> acorn flour I'm familiar with and, like, roasting and generally using, like, acorns after removing the tannins. And it should be a normal assumption that oil would be made because all nut products produce oil. But acorn oil is oil is not something I've ever seen. And it almost looks like palm oil. It's quite unique. It's it's hard to make. There's You don't get a whole lot of, of oil out of an acorn. But, boy, is it a unique oil. Wonderful tasting, high in omega-3s and linoleic and oleic acid. It's great for you. Antioxidants, polyphenols, so super healthy. Um, still still in development. Uh, Yellowbud Farms and, and their group in Vermont are working in, 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 in developing them, but along with the Yellowbud Hickory Oil, which they're, they're working quite mm. a bit on. So It is really unique. Like, it's, it, it's earthy, but, like, it definitely tastes, like, of trees. Like mm-hmm. if yeah, you've had like, something that's oak smoked, it's got a little bit mm-hmm. of like those flavors you get in, in that there. We're really also cool. eating it off a wooden spoon. So yeah, that's so that, that, me to some tannins, Is it the right? spoon yeah, yeah. or is it the acorn? <laughs> it's not the spoon. <laughs> How hard is it to work? I mean, acorns are so plentiful. So that, I've always thought, you know, as a kid, the squirrels can make such good use of these, but we can't or well, we don't. It, is, is the process to turn it into this oil that we could be used, or the acorn flour, how onerous is it? Sure, it takes work, but yeah. it's not so onerous. Yeah. I mean, many crops take work. We we don't eat cranberries out of the bog or oil, olives right off the tree. There's some processing that has to happen. 
with corn and soy, there's plenty of processing. So sure, one of the key steps is leaching out the tannins, but they are water soluble. It's, a, it's one step in the process. And tannins, for listeners of the wine snobbery <laughs> segments, know that it's the sweaters on your teeth and tongue. It makes you, the dries you out, all that kind of stuff. It's in tea, it's in wine, it's in all sorts of things. Okay. Yeah. It's just, acorns. There's a, there's a lot of them <laughs> in acorns. There's a lot in acorns. Uh, it varies. There's some that are sweeter and, and less tannins. It's some in the white oak family. We have a lot of red oak here, and that's a lot of tannins. So one thing we do with that is, is exploring other products like pressing out the oil or roasting it into a coffee. We make an acorn chai from roasted acorns, and it's wonderful. So again, another example of strategies for additional income streams or diversified income streams from products in our in our local forest surroundings for small landowners and, and, and forest owners to have other marketable products. Very cool. Let's take a quick break. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. We're speaking with Gregory Morey from Forestopia in Greenfield. We'll hear more about some of the interesting products that are coming from our forests and forests from just south of here in just a bit. <laughs> You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on 88.5 NEPM. Welcome back to The Fabulous 413. We are speaking with Gregory Morey from Forestopia, which is a bevy of I have forgotten the way to properly categorize this, but products you can get from trees without actually trimming, like cutting the tree, mm -hmm. non-timber tree products. And we're eating lots of them. And apologies to anybody who doesn't like mouth sounds. You gave us some yellow birch syrup before we <laughs> right. actually went up on air. And because it was with ice cream and that was melting. So we had to, so we had to try, we had to try it, it before it melted. Yeah. But like it was wicked cool. Not only did it taste a little bit of like um, birch beer, but a little bit of almost balsamic vinegar-ish. Mm, yeah. Like... What are some of your favorite products that you offer before we get into some of the things that come from further away? Because the birch syrup is a is a New Englandy sounding slash tasting thing. I think I have to say I think the, the yellow birch syrup is is right up there, my favorite. <laughs> it, it is a special syrup. It has complex flavor, as you mentioned, a balsamic, caramel, even malty notes. It's and it's a versatile culinary syrup. Just a few drops can really make a big bang. And whether it's a marinade, a sauce, or like we just did, we put a few drops of ice cream and swirled it in. It was just transformed. It was mm -hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, bourbon drinks, some mixed drinks. Yeah, it has, it has a place there as well. Taste yes. That. Oh yeah. And tell us how you're making that. Well, we tap yellow birch trees just like maple trees. However, with yellow birch or, or other birch syrup, it takes about four times as much syrup, sorry, sap, to make the same amount of syrup. So it is a, a lot more uh, labor-intensive and, and, well, sap-intensive. <laughs> and so, you know, again, this is not something you would slather on your pancakes. You could, but you're going to use a few drops for, for accents and culinary purposes or mixed drinks and things. I'm... I, I just like impressed by the the giant array of things like baobab flower, which I never really thought of, mm. uh, and um, macambo. Yeah, the macambo is a wild relative of of cacao. In Mexico, it's called patastre, and in Peru, it's called macambo. So, perhaps to give context here, so Forestopia, sure, we we work with local products and we harvest things at our forest farm site in Chutepri and do all that fun stuff. But our main business is as an ingredient supplier and connecting growers of agroforestry products and non timber forex products from around the world with buyers in the food, cosmetic, pharmaceutical, and, and nutraceutical industries. That's, mm -hmm. that's 
you may not see all that on our website, but that's one of our main focus. <laughs> so as a real, we have about 40 to 50 products that we work with. Again, some local and some regional, some from around the country, like uh, Yopon, Holly T from Texas, mm-hmm. uh, Northern Pecans from, from Missouri, as well as products from all around the world. You mentioned the Baobab. We work with a small group from uh, South Africa and uh, Zimbabwe, Women's Harvester Cooperatives that collect the wild Baobab, process it. And f- looking to find markets for that for that product, we have mesquite from from a, a group in Oaxaca, uh, Mexico. We have moringa from a group in Colombia, and so and so on. So all kinds of all tree products, either grown in agroforestry systems or a wild harvested non-timber forest products. I did not know you could eat moringa. Yeah. I've only seen it in hair products. Sure, the moringa <laughs> oils and 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 moringa. In, yeah, it's super nutritious. One of the most nutritious things you could possibly eat. Uh, so, in terms of food security in in, in developing countries, uh, it's 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 quite important. That's awesome. Um, so the the, the main mission of, of Forest over there is really in, in empowering the growers, mm. market access and, and, and livelihoods. Uh, for 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 smallholder grower groups, you mentioned and, and healthy, yummy food. Yeah, <laughs> you mentioned Gregory Mori uh, from Forestopia that pharmaceutical industry is part of this. Are there things that come from our for? I mean, people I think know that aspirin comes from the bark of a tree, but uh, are there things that come from our forests in Western Mass or New England that are being used in pharmaceutical industry that we might not know? Which about? hazel? Uh-huh. Witch hazel, the center of the witch hazel industry is Connecticut. It, almost all the witch hazel in the world is produced right in, in and it's a wild harvested non-timber forest product wow. that you'll find in our forests here. Yeah. Um, so it's not just for plants. witches anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of that, I mean, there is an element of the idea that like you're not just crazy hippies who are doing this in Shootsbury and other parts of Western Mass in the 413. This is something that is a practice that is practiced in other countries Correct. Uh, all the time. And agroforestry really is an ancient practice that practiced by cultures all over the world for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to bring that to our modern agricultural uh, systems or, or, or dis systems uh, and uh, really transform our food and agricultural systems to be more sustainable, uh, healthy, and just. So uh, that's the vision for agroforestry across the landscape. So a lot of policy work, a lot of promotion and uh, partnership building to, to make some of those changes happen. And some teaching, I assume, too, for, for people who are doing or learning how to do agroforestry in mm. the areas that they're in, regardless of, of continent or country. There's got to be some learning process that you're a, at least in a small part, a part of. Absolutely. I was the former education outreach coordinator at the Center for Agroforestry uh, in the University of Missouri. Currently, we're a partner in NOFA's Expanding Agroforestry Projects, an MDAR, Massachusetts Department of Agriculture Funded Project, Big River Chestnuts, Regenerative Design Group, Nutwood Farms are all partners in that. Uh, there's a TA, technical assistance dimension, to farmers for the adoption of agroforestry practice. There's also a consumer education component in educating consumers about what are some of these agroforestry products, these new specialty tree crops like pawpaw, persimmon, hazelnut, chestnuts, uh, and, uh, and w- how to use them and where to find them. Oh, mentioning chestnuts, tomorrow at the farm in, in Sunderland, Big River Chestnuts in Sunderland will be our last day of chestnut roasting for the season. We will most certainly sell out in the course of the day, but we will have roasted chestnuts and fresh chestnuts and lots of hot chocolate made from the, the chocolate and cacao beans we bring from Peru with our partner, Prophecy Chocolate. Uh, we have, have lots of hot chocolate, probably five gallons of homemade <laughs> hot chocolate from ro- the roasted beans. So <laughs> come on enough. out. 195 River Road in in. But Sunday, that's, that's what yeah. We, yeah. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. What could be more appropriate? Before the, the last couple seconds we have left, you gave us what it seems like a cookie called the Nor'easter. Tell us yeah, what this is. Yeah, well, that is made from l- regional or local black walnuts. 
a little bit of maple syrup, a little bit of acorn flour, and a touch of chestnut flour. I call it the nor'easter. Previously, you tried the South by Southwest. That was the pecans with agave syrup and mesquite flour on the ice cream. So, yeah, the nor'easter, uh, it's, it's an attempt at a, at a totally local, you know, wild harvested, uh, non-timber forest product thing, cookie thing. It, so and it's <laughs> delicious. It is. It's wonderful. <laughs> Eat your forest. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> but get an expert like Gregory Mori, whose name means... It means forest in Japanese. It does. <laughs> Not just a clever marketing scheme. Yeah, my wife is Japanese, so I, I couldn't let that one go. Both her and the name. Yeah. <laughs> um, real, real quickly in like the last minute that we have, do you have recipes up on your website that people can look at in case they don't know what to do some, with the things? There are some links to, we have more like compendiums like mm. of, of all the things you can do with chestnuts, all the things you can do with acorn uh, flour, and there's some PDFs. Some of those are linked. Some of them, you just send us an email and we'll, we'll, we'll steer you to how to use all these wonderful sustainably sourced tree products. Gregory Mori of Forestopia, based in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Thank you so much. Thank you, folks. <laughs> Monday on The Fabulous 413, we'll dig into the boundaries that get blurred. And the histories of exploiting that gray area for good. The folks behind self-evident education and their latest film, The Power of Truth, Cinematic Chronicles of Racism and Resistance, will join us. <laughs> I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Happy World AIDS Remembrance Day, everybody. We'll see you Monday on The Fabulous 413.